All right, so we'll be in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, uh, verses 15 through 21. So 636, 637 in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. And the title of the message this morning is Strolling with Jesus. Strolling with Jesus. So before I get into the study, let me open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the word together. But Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord, and we just ask that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would have your way this morning, fill this place with your Holy Spirit, that your word would pierce our hearts, Lord, it would change our lives. Lord, I pray that I would decrease, Lord, and that you would increase, and I pray that you have something for all of us this morning, which you always do, Lord. We thank you and we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So we've just gone through a season of graduations, you know, preschool graduations, high school graduations, college graduations. And in thinking about all of this, um, it reminds me that the Lord allows us at times to go through seasons of change. And right now, a lot of people are probably going through a lot of change in their lives. Uh, People are starting college very soon. People maybe are starting a new job soon. Maybe they're entering new friendships, new relationships. Um, But unfortunately, sometimes circumstances that bring change can also be circumstances that are difficult in our lives. But one thing we need to remember is that even despite changes around us, changing circumstances, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because God doesn't change, our walk with the Lord shouldn't change either. Um, We should be growing in our relationship with the Lord. We should be growing in our walk. But we shouldn't stop walking with Him just because things change and things become uncomfortable for us. Now, for the past several weeks, I've had the privilege and the opportunity to spend a lot of time with my nephew. He's out for summer right now. And he plays a lot of different games. He's been playing, um, I think it's called Fortnite, a lot. And there's one particular game that he really enjoys. It's called Pokemon Go. And I know this game has been around for a while. Um, How many of you in this room have played Pokemon Go or know what Pokemon Go is? (laughs) Right. So Pokemon Go is defined um, as a game where players use a mobile device's GPS capability to locate, capture battle and train virtual creatures called Pokemon who appear on the screen as if they were in the real world location as the actual player. Now, when I was thinking about my Christian walk, um, believe it or not, I I thought about Pokemon Go uh, because recently I read some headlines about people that were playing Pokemon Go. And this is what some of the headlines said. Men fall from a cliff playing Pokemon Go. Hong Kong teen falls into a river playing Pokemon Go. A man falls into a pond playing Pokemon Go. A woman gets hit by a car playing Pokemon Go. Now, all these people were just injured. None of them lost their lives. But what we see here is that when we're not walking carefully, uh, we're not watching where we are going, we're not aware of the circumstances around us, it can lead us astray, it can lead us off course. And in the case of these people playing Pokemon Go, uh, some of them got hit by a car, some of them fell into a river, some of them fell off a cliff. 
But likewise, in our Christian walks, when we're not walking wisely, we're not aware of the circumstances around us, you know, as we're searching for the Lord, um, sometimes we can be led off, off course. We can be led astray. And when that happens, sometimes it can allow us to fall into or give in to sin, into temptations. And we begin to look more and more like the world and our old selves and less and less like Jesus. So we have to be very careful. Now, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about our Christian walks or our Christian strolls with Jesus and what those Christian walks need to look like as we continue growing in the Lord together and as individuals. So let me read the text to you this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. Here are the Apostle Paul writing in verses 15 through 21. He writes, Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So notice here in the first verse, which is our first point this morning, is we're told to walk carefully and to walk wisely. Walk carefully and walk wisely. Paul writes, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. So in studying this verse in the Greek language, the original word used there is akribos, akribos. Uh, which is used to describe how we should be living as Christians. And it's defined as walking diligently, perfectly, accuracy, which is the outcome of carefulness, which is what we see described here in verse 15. And this is the way that we as believers um, should be walking. We should walk in such a way that we're well aware of the circumstances around us and the potential consequences. So I was thinking about this, and for some reason I thought about, and maybe we can all relate to this, um, how many of you snuck out of your parents' house when you were younger, maybe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, maybe all of us, yeah. But um, maybe you snuck out of your house to go to a concert or, I don't know, to Dairy Queen or to play Pokemon Go. I don't know. I don't know why you snuck out of your house. But when you think about it, when you snuck out of your house, but when you came back home later at night or the next morning, how did you come back into your house? Were you screaming? Were you making a lot of noise? Were you telling your parents you were home? Probably not. You came back into your house very carefully, right? Very carefully. You were well aware of the circumstances. I should be in bed. I shouldn't be awake right now. And you are well aware of the potential consequences, right? If my parents catch me, they're going to kill me. Although your parents never really actually killed you. They'd say they would, but they never did. Now, how did you come back into your house? Well, I was thinking about this. Number one, we were very careful where we placed our feet, right? We didn't want to knock something over. We didn't want to step on something that would pop or make any sounds. Uh, secondly, we were very careful where we were looking. We were 
guarding our site. We didn't want to bump into a wall or bump into a potted plant or something in the house or dishes maybe your mom laid out for you to, you know, she knows when you're coming in late, whatever. You had to guard your site where you were looking. Thirdly, you were listening very carefully if anyone was awake, if your parents were still awake or if there was anyone else in the house. So you were guarding your ears, your hearing. Fourthly, you were very careful where you were placing your hands. You didn't want to knock something over, set off the alarm or turn on a light. Uh, fifthly, you were guarding your mouths. You didn't want to say anything. You didn't want to make a noise. You didn't want to breathe too hard so people would know you were coming into the house. And then sixthly, you were carefully thinking about your next step. You were sober-minded. Okay, so I'm going to go to the left now. I'm going to go to the right now. This is the right bedroom, right? Um, so when you think about it, as Christians, this is how we should be walking. Not necessarily we should be walking around like we're sneaking into our parents' house, but rather we need to be guarding all of our senses and our actions as we're moving forward in the Lord. Right? So we talked about, number one, our feet. We need to be very careful where we are placing our feet. Where and with whom are we hanging out with? Um, where are we going? 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul tells us that bad company corrupts good habits. The people and the places that we hang out the most, we're going to begin to look more and more like those people and like those places in character. So we have to be careful where we place our feet. Secondly, we talked about our sight, right? We have to be very careful where we are looking. And sometimes we tend to get the wandering eye, right? We, we lust over things that the Lord has not given to us. And, you know, guys looking at girls, girls looking at guys, we have to be very careful. And we can't make the excuse, well, I'm just admiring, you know, God's creation. You know, you probably don't look at rivers or mountains like that, right? We have to be very careful where we put our eyes. And in Psalm, let me turn my page here. Uh, Psalm 101, verse 3, it says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. So we have to be careful what we're looking at because certain things can allow us to go astray. Thirdly, we talked about hearing. We have to listen very carefully. We have to guard our ears because whatever comes into our ears can eventually make it into our minds. And once our, our thoughts sit there for a while, those thoughts can make it to our hearts and then they can turn into an action. Proverbs twenty twelve says, The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. They're made for his glory and not for our own desires. And then fourthly, we talked about touch, right? We need to keep our hands to ourselves. We have to be careful where we place our hands or what we put into our hands, right? Um, things that can cause us to stumble or to go astray. The author of Hebrews in 5 verse 14 tells us that as we grow in the word and in the Lord, we're able to discern between what is right and what is wrong. Fifthly, we talked about your mouths, guarding our mouths. And I think that's, that's a big one. We have to be very careful. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit or the people that are around us. Ephesians 4.29 tells us, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then lastly, the mind. We have to guard our minds. And I think this is where the battle really begins, is in our minds. 
2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I heard somewhere once that a Christian's true character is determined by what they do with their thoughts. A Christian's true character is determined by what they do with their thoughts. So we have to be careful that we don't allow thoughts to sit in our minds and to fester there and eventually make their way into our hearts and turn into an action. So what we see here is that everything we see, everything we hear, um, everything we touch, all of these senses eventually makes its way to our hearts and can become a part of our character, can become a part of who we are. And if you remember, for example, in the Gospel of Luke, um, in chapter 6, verses 43 through 45, here the Word of God tells us that a tree is known by its fruit. And we too are going to be made known by our fruit, the fruit in our lives. And, you know, how do we walk as Christians? That's a question we need to think about. Do we walk carefully? Do we walk wisely? Do we go to the left? Do we go to the right? Is there a limp in our Christian walk? How do we walk with the Lord? And in 1 John 2, verse 6, here the word of God tells us, He who says he abides or to remain in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So our desire is to walk like Jesus. And here in verse 15, we're told to walk wisely, right? To be aware of the circumstances around us and the potential consequences. And in order to do that, as we've talked about, we need to guard our senses. We need to guard our sight, our mind, our ears, where we place our feet. All of these things that we've um, spoken about here as we continue walking with the Lord. But then the question becomes, how do we walk carefully with the Lord? How do we do all these things? What enables us to do all these things, which is our second point this morning, how we walk carefully and wisely, how we walk carefully and wisely. So once again, we've been talking about our senses here, and now we're going to talk about what will allow us to do this. So in verse 16, Paul tells us, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. And as Christians, we need to be making the most of every single day that we're on this earth. Every opportunity we have, we need to be making the most of it. Redeeming the time. It's because the days are evil. And when you think about the world right now, where we find ourselves, even our nation right now, I mean, the days are truly very, very evil right now. And we need to be making the most of every opportunity we have. Number one, growing in the Lord. And number two, building the Lord's kingdom, serving the Lord. And I truly believe in order for us to be redeeming the time, we need to have a healthy fear of God, a healthy fear of God. And I've mentioned this before, um, not necessarily a fear that God's going to strike you down with lightning, um, although he could certainly do that. <clears throat> but rather a fear that you love him so much, you don't want to disappoint him because he's your heavenly father. And I think having also a mindset of an imminent return that God could cut back at any moment, because that's what his word says, right? He could come back at any moment. And 
the Lord knows every thought, every motive. He knows our hearts better than we know them ourselves. And if you look at Psalm 139, here the word of God tells us that God has perfect knowledge of man. And when you think about the coming of Jesus, it reminds me of a parable that we read about in the Gospel of Mark. If you look at Mark chapter 13, uh, verse 34 through 37, here we have a parable that describes uh, what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back or um, a similarity to the coming of Jesus Christ. And here the parable talks about a man that goes away to a far country. So in Mark 13, beginning in verse 34, here the Bible says, It's like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning. Otherwise, when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. So what we see here is that the coming of Jesus um, is like this parable. We have a, an individual, a man, who gives authority to his servants. He gives them each their work. He commands his doorkeeper to keep watch. And when you think about that, all of us in this room, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, we are God's servants. He is our master. And he has commanded us to do something. And it's called the Great Commission. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the Lord says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then in Mark 16, verse 15, the word says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And just like these individuals, these servants in this parable, we too do not know when our master is going to return. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. He could come back in the evening. He could come back at midnight, in the morning. We don't know. But we need to be alert. Because when he does come back, we don't want to be caught sleeping, as the parable says here. The Lord is coming like a thief in the night, the Bible describes. Peter, 2 Peter 3, verse 10, describes this, as well as in Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. We don't know the hour, we don't know the day, but we just need to be watchful, busy in the Lord's work. We don't want to be caught sleeping when he comes. Now, I used to live in Colorado, and um, in Colorado there's a lot of um, what we, we call like bumper sticker cars, cars covered in bumper stickers. So I remember one day I was behind this one car, and um, you know, they had a bumper sticker that said like, you know, hug a polar bear, you know, save the whales, you know, kiss a fish. And then there was another sticker that said, Jesus is coming, look busy. Jesus is coming, look busy. And when you think about it, we don't just want to look busy when Jesus comes. We want to be busy when Jesus comes, busy doing the work of the Lord. And the last time I was up here, we talked a little bit about this. We don't want to deceive ourselves because every person on the face of the planet is going to face judgment whether you're a believer or a non-believer. 
for the believer, we're going to face what is called the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat of Christ. And Romans 14 verses 10 through 12, as well as 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15 speak of this. Um, we're going to be judged not for our salvation or for our sin, but rather for our service unto the Lord. We've already been uh, forgiven of our sin and we've received um, salvation through faith uh, by grace. We've been saved. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9 tells us this, right? We've put our faith in that gospel message. Number one, that Jesus died for our sins. Number two, that Jesus was buried. And number three, that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. We've put our faith in that message. We've recognized that we are sinners and we repent of our sin, that element of repentance. That's what makes us righteous in the sight of God. But once again, we won't be judged for our sins or for salvation, just for our service unto the Lord. And we have to be careful. Like I said, that bumper sticker I read said, Jesus is coming, look busy. But we want to be busy, not just look busy for the Lord. But in ministry, uh, and may maybe many of you can relate to this, sometimes we can get so busy for the Lord that we forget to be busy with the Lord. We're doing all of these things for the Lord, but we're not really spending time with the Lord. And then ministry becomes um, hectic, it becomes stressful, it becomes a burden where we want to be busy with the Lord first because ministry flows from within. You have to have something first in order to give to another person. So if you're spending time with the Lord, that'll allow you to have something to give to another person uh, within your ministry the, that the Lord has loaned you while you're on this earth. Now, once again, ministry flows from within and we want to be busy, not just for the Lord, but with the Lord redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity that the Lord has given to us. Because at the end of the day, when everything goes away, when we leave this earth, the ministries are going to go away. Everything that you thought defined you is going to go away. And what's only going to be left behind is the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. You and him, the fact that you and I, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, are a child of God. And that's all that's going to matter at the end of the day. So we have to be careful that we truly are redeeming the times. Now, knowing this will certainly give us a desire to rely on the Lord, to trust the Lord, and to fear the Lord, and to make the most of the time because the days are evil. Now, as we continue to walk with the Lord, the third thing that Paul tells us here in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, which is our third point this morning, is that we need to know God's will for our lives. We need to know God's will for our lives. Verse 17 says, So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is very critical because our time on this earth is very brief. You know, James describes our lives as but a vapor. We're here one moment, we're gone the next moment. And every single day, though, uh, and this is reassuring to me, every single day that does pass is one day closer to seeing the Lord face to face. And that's, that's a hope that I have, and I'm sure that all of us in this room have. But it's so easy to get distracted by what the world and everything around us says that we should desire for our own lives or what they expect from us. So the will of the world, the will of the people around us, 
um, what they believe is for us, we can get distracted by that as opposed to what the will of the Lord is for our lives. And when we seek God and we are spending time with the Lord, his desires eventually become our own desires, right? Psalm 37, 4, I love this. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So the more time we spend with the Lord, the desires that he has for our lives are going to be our desires as well. Now, how do we seek the Lord's will for our lives? And we've talked about this a little bit before, but I love Jeremiah 29, 13. Here it says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you search me with all your heart. And we have four tools that I've mentioned before, and we need to utilize these. We have the word of God, right? We should be in the word of God because the word of God is the mirror of God. It's, it's who he is. God is the word. Uh, Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's where our faith comes from. That's where the promises come from. That's where our hope comes from. Everything should come from the word of God. God speaks to us through his word. He reveals himself to us through his word. And we need to know his word intimately. Secondly, we have prayer. We should be seeking God's will for our lives through prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. So continuously asking the Lord to reveal himself to us, to guide us, to lead us as we're walking with him in this Christian walk. And this is our communication with the Lord. This is how we speak to the Lord is through prayer. And then thirdly, we have the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. We should be asking to be filled and to be led by the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 21, we're going to look at those in a little bit here. We don't want to be filled or led by anything else other than the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And what I love is that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that fell upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost, is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you and lives in me and anyone who's given their life to the Lord. And that is where the power is. That is what's going to give us the desire and the ability to get into the word, to pray, and also to be in fellowship with the body, which is our fourth tool in seeking the Lord's will for our lives. We want to be in fellowship with the body of Christ because godly counsel is what's going to lead you in a godly direction. Proverbs 15.22 tells us, without counsel, speaking of godly counsel, plans will fail. Now, if we're seeking counsel in the world, we're going to start to look like the world, aren't we? And in Psalm 1.1, I love this because here we see a progression. It says, walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And if you take their counsel, then eventually we're going to stand with the ungodly and then we're going to sit with the ungodly. So we see a progression that if we take ungodly counsel, then we're going to stand with the ungodly and then we're going to sit with the ungodly and eventually start looking like the ungodly. And we have to be very careful. We want to see counsel within the body of Christ. And this is why fellowship is very important because there's a lot of people that may be in a similar place that you are and the Lord has led them in a certain direction and through his word, through prayer, they can help us and comfort us in the same way that they received uh, from the Lord. And then also we might have that to give to others as well. The Lord can use us in that way. So with all of these tools, the word of God, prayer, the Holy Spirit, and fellowship, 
all of these elements will allow us to understand what the Lord's will is for our lives um, as he continues to reveal himself to us and we walk with the Lord. And the fourth thing we're going to look at here, uh, which is verses 18 through 21, our fourth point this morning, uh, the Lord tells us to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So here in verses 18 um, through 21, Paul writes, And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So here we see that we're told not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our counselor, our helper. And when you think about that, we don't want to be under the influence of anything other than the Holy Spirit. Now, here Paul is talking about wine, and I know sometimes alcohol can be maybe a sensitive topic in the church, but, you know, God's Word tells us here, and in His Word, when you think about wine and alcohol in the Word of God, you know, drinking is not specifically identified as a sin. However, being drunk is specifically stated as being a sin here in the Word, um, however, we should stay away from being drunk and from strong drink. So when you do look into the Word of God, just a couple of examples here. The Bible does speak of wine, for example, being used for medical purposes. If you look at 1 Timothy 5.23, here Paul encouraged young Timothy to drink some wine in moderation uh, for his stomach issues, his frequent infirmities. You see, in that time, the water was not very sanitary to drink. So this was one um, solution to ailments in that time. Additionally, when you think about Jesus's first miracle, for example, if you look at John 2, uh, verses 1 through 11, remember he turns water into wine at the wedding feast. But then notice the Bible specifically says being drunk is a sin. If you look at Proverbs 21, 20 verse 1, for example, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And then in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 10, it says, Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you look at 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7, in Titus 1, 5 through 9, here we see the characteristics and the qualifications of leaders in the church. And in those verses, it says that these individuals should not be given to wine. And um, in expanding on that, these individuals should not tarry with wine or spend a lot of time with it, is what the Word of God says. Now, having shared some of this information, maybe some of you are breathing in a sigh of relief. Oh, okay. I can drink my wine and eat my cheese. It's all okay. It's all good. 
Well, okay, but, but not so fast. You know, consider this, consider this. Wine in that time had a very different ratio than alcohol in this time. It was either three to one or three to two. In other words, it was three parts water to one or two parts wine, which is very dilute compared to these days, if you think about that. And this is information I got from Norman Geisler. Um, and if you look at the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, um, statistically, alcohol is the third leading cause of preventable deaths. And I believe it was the fifth, like just a few years ago. Now it's the third. And it accounts for 31% of overall driving fatalities. Now, Pastor Angel has spoken of this already many times. Um, sometimes those Christian liberties are just best not exercised and are maybe not beneficial to us. And we talked about this last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. And sometimes those liberties can also cause others to stumble and to fall into sin, as we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So if you haven't heard those studies, I encourage you to go back and listen to those on your own time. Now, in thinking about all this information um, that we've discussed here, when you think about it, often, and you know, I, I've been there before myself, not glorying in it, but when you have one beer, one glass of wine, often it leads to another one. And when you think about that, you know, you end up at a point where you're like, oh, well, where did my, you know, 12 pack go? Well, it's all gone. No, we have to be very careful. As believers, every single time we take a sip of alcohol, we give that alcohol a percentage of our control and the Holy Spirit loses that percentage of control over our bodies and over our lives. We have to be very careful because alcohol, when you think about alcohol, alcohol impacts your bloodstream and your blood goes through your entire body. It makes its way to your brain. And once it reaches your brain, it starts to mess with your thinking. It starts messing with your thoughts. And like I said, your thoughts, your mind, whatever's in there is going to make its way down to your heart and it could eventually turn into an action and define your character. We have to be very careful. And I, I truly believe, especially people that are in positions of leadership in the church, people that are serving in the church. And I'm not trying to tell people what to do, but I, I truly believe it's just best to stay away from the alcohol completely. And, you know, don't be a sipping saint, be a serving saint is, is what I think to myself. Um, but like I said, that's between you and the Lord. But as long as the Lord allows me to be in some sort of position in the church, that's something I, I, I will stay away from. Because what happens if you're drinking some wine at home and somebody calls you, they need prayer, they need counsel, and you've had some wine, you know, you're, you're not completely sober-minded at that point. You know, even though maybe it was just one glass, I can handle it. You know, that's still a percentage of maybe some brain fog that you're going to have there. And we have to be very careful about that. And that's just my opinion, my thought on alcohol and, and serving in the church. But... Like I said before, like the word of God tells us, a tree is known by its fruit, right? An apple tree is different from a banana tree. And the tree, the, the health of the fruit is determined by the root system. And as human beings, as believers, our root system is our heart. And whatever is in our hearts is going to determine the fruit in our lives. If there's alcohol in your system, eventually it's going to mess with your brain and it's going to mess with your heart, the root system, and it's going to produce fruit that is you know, tainted with alcohol or whatever is in your system. 
We have to be very careful about that. Um, in fact, I love what A.W. Tozer once said. He said, you can blame circumstances, but backsliding always begins in the heart. And we have to be very careful. And, you know, personally, I've seen this. And once again, not glorying in these days, but in the party scene, you know, there's always this spectrum of drunks. You have the violent drunks, you have the happy drunks, and everyone in between that's not memorable, right? And what you see is somebody is one person at the beginning of the night, and then by the end of the night, they're a completely different person. And we can see that too in the body. You know, one minute you look like Jesus in character, and then a few hours later, you look like the world again, you look like your old self. We have to be very careful. We don't want to give anyone the opportunity to blaspheme the name of the Lord because of our own actions. Now, Paul here is speaking of wine, but I truly believe we can certainly be under the influence of other things too, like drugs, pornography, um, careers, relationships. And sometimes good things can also be something we're under the influence of. I love what Levi Lusco once said. He said, destruction by distraction is difficult to detect when it's happening because it doesn't involve bad things, but good things that take the place of the most important things. So we have to be careful of that. In other words, we don't want to be controlled by our careers, by a relationship, um, even ministry, as I talked about earlier. You get so busy with ministry, you forget to spend time with the Lord, and it, that takes the place of the most important thing, which is your relationship with God. We need to be careful because that's idolatry. We're putting all of those things before God. Our ultimate high, our ultimate purpose, and our self-worth is found in Jesus Christ, right? And we want to be filled and we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I know there's some days where it's, it's difficult to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit, right? We, we want to live our lives the way we used to live. And what I love about the Lord, what I love about being a follower of Jesus Christ, that we can simply ask him to be filled afresh by the Holy Spirit, and he'll do it. And there's days where I maybe need to be filled afresh every five or ten minutes because it's a very difficult day, but the Lord will do it. Just have to ask. And when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you can produce what is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you think about that, that will never dissipate. That's always available to us as believers. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're able to do what is said in verses 19 through 21. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So the Holy Spirit will allow us to do that when we are filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And I love what Paul writes in Galatians 5, 16 through 17. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So in closing this morning, um, four things that we talked about as we stroll with Jesus or we walk with Jesus in our Christian walk. Number one, we talked about the fact that the Word of God tells us that we need to walk carefully 
and wisely, with accuracy, which is the outcome of carefulness. Uh, we need to guard all of our senses. We, we talked about you know, sneaking into your parents' house. Um, we don't want to walk around like we're sneaking around our parents' house, but rather we want to walk around where we're guarding where we're placing our feet, what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're listening to, what we're touching. Um, redeeming the time, which is our second point this morning, what we looked at, how we are to walk carefully or wisely. We need to be making the most of every opportunity while we're still on this earth, growing in the Lord, number one, and building God's kingdom, number two. And we talked about having a healthy fear of the Lord that will allow us to do that. Thirdly, we talked about the fact that we need to know God's will for our lives. And we have his word, we have prayer, we have the Holy Spirit, we have fellowship in the body. We have all of the tools, all of the instruments, everything necessary to do that. Fourthly, we're told and we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit in which there's no dissipation, like there is with wine or with careers or with other things that maybe we're allowing to lead our lives. We don't want to be under the influence of anything other than the Holy Spirit and be very careful about potential controls over our lives, whether it's a career, whether it's ministry, I don't know, the World Cup, whatever is controlling you in this time. If it's not the Lord, we need to be very careful. We need to continue walking with him. So as we continue to walk together in the Lord, let's continue to be walking carefully and wisely, filled and led by the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'll close with Revelation 22, 12. I love this. I love this verse. And here the Lord testifying says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for your word, Lord, for your truth. And Lord, we pray for our walks this morning, Lord, as we continue and desire to look more and more like your son, Jesus, every single day. We pray that you would guide us, Lord, that you would lead us. Just give us a desire for your word, for prayer, Lord, to be filled with your Holy Spirit and to be led by it. Give us a desire to fellowship with the body. And Lord, I pray that you help us to redeem the time, make the most of every opportunity we have on this earth because the days truly are evil. And we know that you could come back at any moment, Lord. We desire to see you face to face. Lord, we thank you this morning. We pray for this church family here. We pray that you help us to get through this week. Help us to just be an example of your son, Jesus, wherever we go. Because sometimes we may be the only Bible that somebody reads, Lord God. And I pray that you help us to just live a life that leaves behind that beautiful fragrance of that gospel message, Lord God, that we have truly put our faith in and have received into our lives, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you continue to guide us and lead us and help us, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.